0: Well, folks, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into this morning's message. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, that you have loved us so much, Father. This morning, we ask, Lord, your blessing upon this word. Father, your anointing upon this word. May it be delivered, Lord God, under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, Father, that, Lord, it gets into each of us, Lord. And, Father, ultimately, Lord, it moves us forward as a a body of believers in the direction that you've pointed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, as I said a minute ago, if you are here for the very first time, or maybe you haven't been here in a while, you are joining us on a very special Sunday. We've been actually looking forward to this for uh, about a year now. It's, uh, it's Vision 2020, and uh, uh, the other kind of other part of the element to this is the Acts 2 journey, and you're going to learn a little bit more about that as we go along But this morning, there's probably some of you sitting here in the pews that you really don't know a whole lot about Trinity Church. You don't know about how it was formed, when it was formed, and how it came to be, and the various things that have happened over the years. And so this morning, i got kind of a quick history for you, if you would. This church was established in July of 1978. That was a good year. I was a junior in high school. By the Reverend Larry Davis, he was the pastor here, the church building that we're actually in was dedicated at this location November of 1980. There were 46 people that were part of this church whenever, that, uh, whenever this building was dedicated. Um, between the years of 1981, uh, Reverend Larry Davis went to, I believe, Arkansas, and between the years of 1981 and 1986, Tommy Tissinger and Wayne Sheffield pastored. Brent Page served as pastor from December 1986, until march of 2002 and that's whenever i came to be Uh, we uh, surrendered our lives and came here to uh, north carolina in july of 2002 so we've been here pastor a little bit over 17 years god has done a lot of miracles for this church over the years Uh, it was interesting for me to go back through our church history and to read various minutes and things that folks had posted as the years have gone by god has done a lot of miracles First of all, the miracle of this property we were sitting on. The folks, as they went to buy this property, they were told, no, 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 you're not going to buy the property. And then finally, they decided to sell the property because the guy that owned the property got in tax problems. And so he wanted about 10 times too much money for this property. Well, it came to a place where the Lord just intervened, did a miracle, and this church purchased this piece of ground that we are on this morning. God's done a lot of miracles in the existence of Trinity Church. After I came here, we needed a lot of miracles. The roof was leaking in the sanctuary, and the fellowship hall, and we needed a new roof. And financially, we just could not afford it. So we went to the congregation and we said, this is our plan. We want to raise this money. And um, I'm just going to tell you, oh, ye of little faith standing here before me, I felt like it would take us about a year to raise that amount of finance. A year, And so I was planning, well, we're going to have to stop a few leaks here and there, but a year from now, we'll have a new roof on this place. It took three weeks. And God just amazed us. I mean, He just amazed us how He provided. We um, decided that we needed more space because one of my heartbeats is to have a lot of Christian education. And in order to do that, you've got to have a lot of classrooms. And so... A long journey took place, and we finally decided that it was God's directive that we build a family ministry center across the street. We'd owned that piece of property over there for many years, and it had, for the most part, just served as a parking lot. And so in October of 2007, we broke ground on our new family ministry center. We dedicated that building in March of 2009. Now, we dedicated that building debt-free. So in other words, we built it with cash. And I will tell you, not without going into great, great detail, God did one miracle after another miracle after another miracle after another miracle. We just, we, we. I told the congregation, I said, if we don't have the funds, we're not going to do it. We're not going to borrow money. And so I can remember whenever they presented us with a bill for the air conditioning and heating, and that was $50,000, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, we don't have that and it was just amazing how God worked it out every step of the way. Built it debt-free. Our volunteers, our volunteers did over a quarter of a million dollars worth of labor on that building over there. And I tell you, our men and our women, they worked hard in that building, and we brought it to a place of completion. And again, we dedicated in March 2009. In March 2011, whenever I arrived here in 2002, we had debt. This church had borrowed some money to build what is now the children's ministry wing, which was then the fellowship hall, which is the extension back there in the back. Uh, They had borrowed $150,000 and pretty much owed all of it whenever I got here. And so one of the things I hate is debt. And so this church rolled up their sleeves and began to work. And so in March 2011... We burnt our mortgage here at this place, and so from that point on, we've been debt free for the most part, and so I'm very thankful for that. How many of you here were here for the mortgage burning? We're just very quickly. How many of you think that I actually burnt that mortgage good? Yeah. If you weren't here, we had flames that were about eight or nine feet tall burning that mortgage. It wasn't just a little, you know, kind of flash in the pan. It was a. It was awesome. Had to have been here. Okay, we paid off that hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan that we had, and you know this is one of those things that is a milestone for this ministry. I mean, if you if you back, one of the things that has been strong in this ministry is our missions giving, and over the last seventeen years, this church has given over seven hundred thousand dollars to missions. And if you think about that, amen. That's a that's a praise <laughs> the Lord. That is a praise the Lord as God has enabled this church to do things literally that are beyond the capability of a church this size. $700,000 is a lot of funds. And whenever we get to a million, we're really going to have a celebration. Amen? Uh, we've done many things over the last few years and remodeling the offices and the foyers, and uh, we, we've we spent uh, a lot of time bringing this building up to speed because it was an old building. We remodeled the sanctuary uh, a little over a year and a half ago. And so, you know, making it short this morning, that's kind of the story of where we've been. I believe whenever you begin to set a vision, you got to understand where you've been uh, we are in a community um, down here south of Franklin. Uh, we still have a Franklin address, but we believe we're part of the Otto community, and I believe God strategically has placed us here. I believe that we have one of the best locations uh, perhaps any church in town. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of cars every month that pass by this place, and we get a lot of visitors because they drove by us and seen us, and so we're thankful for that. That's where we've been So now, let me tell you a little story. Uh, A few years ago, probably more like about 35 years ago, um, I was out with my gun, and uh, I was hunting. And uh, it seemed like every time that I would draw down on what I was shooting at and pull the trigger, uh, I missed. And so one of my friends that was hunting with me began to make snotty remarks. I won't mention Pastor Rick's name, but that's who it was. And he just began to kind of mock my bad shooting. And I fa- finally came to the conclusion after several misses, I said, There's something wrong with my gun. I believe my sights are off. And then I began to think, you know, that's the only way that he could outshoot me is if he messed with my scope. <laughs> I'm not blaming him or anything, but I believe whenever we get to heaven, we'll know who fiddled with my scope. But anyway, <laughs> There came a moment where I had to take that gun that wasn't shooting accurately and I had to make some adjustments on the scope. I needed, I needed to re-sight that scope in so to make it shoot where it needed to shoot. And, and that's what happened. I can remember going home and I found a target and began to shoot and sure enough, my scope was way off. Thanks, Rick. Anyway, <laughs> it was way off, way off. It needed to be, sighting, it needed to be sighted in. So just hang on to that story for a few moments, and let me tell you about what's happened this last year. Um, I asked 13 people a little, little over a year ago to join me on what is called the Acts 2 journey. This is something that the Assemblies of God offers for churches all over the United States, and um, in the past, they've charged quite a bit of money for your participation in it. But this last year, they decided that they were going to allow all the churches in the state of North Carolina to participate with this free. And so I'm, I'm I'm there. Man, you give me something for free, I'm there. And so I asked 13 of our folks here at Trinity to go on this journey with me. The Acts 2 journey is basically this. It is a church revitalization program, a revitalization ministry. And they bring in a Teacher, and for two days, four times during the year, we take a retreat to Asheville, North Carolina, and they train us. On Friday, they would train me as the pastor, and then on Saturday, I would bring the whole team and they would train the whole team together. I want to recognize those members of our Acts 2 team this morning because I want to say thank you because they have spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, some frustration, a lot of prayer, a lot of travel. A lot of sitting in chairs, listening to a speaker. So this morning, I'd just like to thank them for it. This is Dan and Vera Hoffman, we're part of this team. Mike and Robin Jamo, Ed and Cheryl Blanton, John Desjardins and Den Garber, Cody Watson, Clinton Ballou, Mark Albrick, and Al Keata. Those are the 12 members of our ax 2 team. And I would really like for you to appreciate all the work they've done this morning. Amen. Thank you, guys. The Acts 2 journey is basically this, we go and we figure out what it is that we have been doing wrong, what we have done that we uh, perhaps should stop doing, and things that we should start doing, things that we can do according to what the Word of God says and according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what we can do to be more effective in the community that God has placed us in. And basically through the months, we have developed a mission and we have developed a vision for this church. And today it begins. Today is Vision 2020. Today is the culmination of all the work that the Acts team, the Acts 2 journey team has put together. This is what it says in Proverbs 29:18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. A very familiar portion of scripture. Folks, we have got to have a vision as a corporate body of believers as to where we're going. We've got to have a vision we got to have something that we look out there for each and every day so as that we can go towards it. And so with God's leading, this Acts 2 team has developed a, a vision for Trinity Church. We call it the 2020 vision. Now, it's not just for the year 2020. So whenever you get to the december 31st know that it's going to be for many years as we go forward probably going to be some things that we change and same things that we adapt as we grow but this vision this morning is what i'm trying to lay out to you and so you say well well pastor what's all the fuss we got a pretty good church pews are all comfortable we've got a we got beautiful people that love the lord and so why do we need all this you're handsome, got a great haircut, and I thank you. But, you know, why is it that we need a vision? Why is it that 13 of our people need to take these these retreats to Asheville? Why is it that we have to go learn and why we have to meet so many times in between those, those retreats? Why is it that we have to do this? Well, this is the reason why. We live in a community, Macon County, where there's a little over 34,000 people that call this place home. Now, that breaks down to 15,215 households. And out of those 15,215 households, there's 9,693 that are family households. In other words, there's a family living there, one uh, 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 more than one occupant. All 34,000 of us Maconians, or however you want to say it, live in one of the most scenic, Most beautiful places in the nation. I mean that. I've been to 47 of the 50 states that we call the United States of America. I've seen a lot of country, and I will tell you, we live in a beautiful place. If you don't believe that, I'm going to be flying to New Mexico here pretty quick, and you can just fly along beside me and you'll see. (laughs) We live in a beautiful place. Don't complain about the rain because we need it to keep everything green. So, in this beautiful place that all 34,000 of us live, we have, listen to this, over 100 churches in this place. What a blessed people we are. You know, one of the things that the founding uh, people in our nation did whenever they first landed on the East Coast was this. They built houses and then they built churches. That was the very next thing that they did. They built churches. After that, they built schools. I lived for seven years in Montana, and let me just tell you, that's not the way it happened in Montana. Because whenever you go into the community I lived in in Montana, you'll find very few churches. Because in Montana, one of the things that happened is they built houses, and then you know what the next thing was that they built? Saloons, exactly right. Churches were way down the list. And so here we live in this amazing place called Macon County where we have over a 100 churches in this beautiful place that we live in. It seems like there's a church on every corner. So now, if you're just driving through our community or perhaps you're visiting our community just for a few days, you would probably think, wow, what a beautiful place, just like Mayberry. I'm sure whenever I go around the corner, there's going to be Opie riding his bicycle or something like that. Because that's the place we live in, at least the way it looks from the outside. But in these past few weeks, I've done a little digging, and I found out that unfortunately, in the midst of this beautiful community we live in, in this community that we have over 100 churches There is a dark side to our community. All is not well in our community. It's not such a wonderful place. Almost 20% of our community live below the poverty level. Almost 20%. 2,200 households are on SNAP or food stamps. In the year 2018, there were 542 victims of domestic violence. I want you to think about this. We live in a community of 34,000, not a community of a million. 542 victims of domestic violence. The top priorities for our county health officials are this, in order, substance abuse, domestic violence, and and the mental health problems that we experience in this community. Our Department of Social Services, or DSS, is literally overwhelmed with reports of children being abused. The staff down at DSS is carrying a huge load right now. They are always at or near capacity in their foster care system. They literally right now could use many more foster care parents. Unfortunately, there are probably more cases that go unreported than there are cases that go reported. The divorce rate in our community is equal to the national average. There are broken homes, there are shattered families, a huge number of people that live that we live our lives with are addicted to drugs or alcohol. 11.6% of the adults in our community used an illicit drug in the past month while 25.9 used opiates or opioids in the past year with or without a prescription. That's a quarter of the population of our community. The effects of substance abuse have had a large impact on our community with 57.8% of adults reporting that their life has been negatively affected by substance abuse, while 40.5% of adults experienced household substance abuse during their childhood. Paychecks are going to pay for drugs, alcohol, gambling habits, instead of things like food, and clothing, and shelter, the necessities of life that every family needs. Our jail is full. Our courts are overwhelmed. Our law enforcement agencies are working overtime. In Macon County, 29% of the population is 65 or older. Don't think that this sector of the population is doing just fine. There is poverty here as well. Some people cannot buy food for themselves if they have just a $50 change in monthly expenses because they live on a fixed income. There is extreme loneliness in our senior adults. There is extreme uh, loneliness, and there is also a lot of depression due to the loss of a spouse. Many suffer from abuse by loved ones or caretakers, There's limited or no access to basic health health care many times. Often transportation is an issue. And there is a huge portion of our seniors that abuse alcohol. On the whole, things are not getting any better. In fact, they're getting worse. There are more problems today than there were five years ago. I could go on this morning about this dark side of our community. I could provide you with statistic after statistic after statistic to let you know that we indeed have a problem right here in this beautiful place that we live. So this morning you would think with over a hundred churches in our community, a hundred churches in our community, there wouldn't be as many problems as there are. that there wouldn't be so much darkness. Fact is, out of those churches, there are very few that are actually doing what they have been built for. That's not a place for an amen. That's a place for a sigh and a gut check. They are not doing what they've been put here to do. So this morning, imagine with me, if you would, I'm sure that probably by now all of you perhaps have shopped at our new, not so new, Super Ingles. It's a grocery store, right? You go in there to buy food, good food, which I'm hungry right now. So just imagine, if you left this morning, you went across the street and you ate, because that's what everybody's going to do. And then you got in your car and you drove to town, and as you were passing Ingalls, you said, oh, my goodness, I need something like milk or butter or eggs, or maybe they were predicting a hurricane, and so you just needed lots of milk and bread. I'm not sure about that. But let's say that you turned your car around, went back into the parking lot, and there you go into those electric doors, and you enter into Ingalls, and you find that on every shelf at ingles they're not selling groceries there but they have it all stacked with bricks just tons and tons and thousands of bricks and you go good grief there's no bread on the shelf it's just bricks so i'm going to go get some pork chops and so you work your way all the way back to the back where the pork chops are and you go good grief there's bricks in this case too then you say, well, I need some ice cream for Sue. i got to get some Blue Bunny. And so you go to the ice cream and you open it up and there. There's is bricks everywhere. It's just bricks everywhere. I mean, before very long, you'd probably walk out the door and say, man, I thought this was a grocery store. And all they're selling is bricks. The sad reality of the community that you and I live in is so many churches are exactly that. They're not doing what they have been called to do. We have been called to reach a community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been called to make a difference in the lives of people that are all around us. I'll be honest with you. With 100 churches in this community, we should not have a drug problem. With 100 churches in this community, DSS should only have like one employee just for good measure. Are you all there with me? The 100 churches in our community, I have to be honest with you, our law enforcement agencies should have very few people on staff. Just a couple, maybe just the sheriff, that's it. He just has to boss himself around all day long. Because with a hundred churches, it would seem like we could make an impact in this community that would change it for eternity's sake. Unfortunately, though, we have a lot of churches that are just like the Ingles that I described. People go into them and they don't get what it is that they needed from them. They get something different. This morning, I would suppose that you didn't go into Ingalls to buy some bricks. In fact, you probably didn't even leave Ingalls with a basket full of bricks. You went there for groceries. You went there for food. We've got a lot of churches that are not doing what they need to be doing. And sadly, I have to say, we are one of those churches. It was the last time you remember somebody giving their life to Jesus Christ in this place? When was the last time you had something to do with somebody giving their life to Jesus Christ? It's quiet. You see, we're not doing what we have been put here to do. God invested 42 years ago in this piece of property on 441 South, and He said, this is where I'm going to build a lighthouse to the community I'm going to cause this church to rise. I'm going to cause this church to see and reach out to those people that are around them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just not—we have not lived up to what it is we are supposed to be doing. I am the lead pastor in this ministry, and so I will tell you it's my fault because I could have turned this ship a long time ago. I can make up all kinds of excuses, but I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to tell you that we have lost our way, and we have got to find it again. Don't get me wrong, we've had a bright spot here and there. It's not that we haven't just done anything, but we have not consistently did what we should have been doing. Thus, the Acts 2 journey. That's why we started two years or a year ago with 12 individuals and myself, kind of recalibrating. We had a gun that wasn't sighted in. We were missing. Every time we would pull the trigger, we wouldn't hit the target. And so, we have for the last year, tuned that scope in where we're going to start hitting the target. And that's a good place to say amen. So how do we do it pastor how do we do it how do we get from where we are right now to where the lord needs us to be how do we do this recalibration well i just want to start simply by saying there's some questions that we need to ask of ourselves as a body why is it do we exist why is it we're here why did god all of those years ago move on the hearts and lives of those people that built this church and sacrificed their lives literally to erect this building I read the minutes from so many reports and and I got to be honest with you man those folks were making sacrifice to buy the bricks and buy the 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 uh, the cinder blocks and to buy the concrete and to buy the pews they were sacrificing their lives because they believed God had a plan and a purpose for Trinity Church and I also believe that and for one thing I will want to stand here one day and say man what they did so many years years ago is in vain. I want to stand here and say what they did and what they invested has paid great dividends for the kingdom of God. So why do we exist? Why are we here? What's our mission? What are we supposed to be doing? The next question is this, where are we going? Where are we going? Are we just going to go to church every Sunday and say, oh, that was a great thing? Oh, that was just awesome. Was great music. Oh, Jared and his worship team, they just... disagree. Uh, uh, no we got to know where we're going outside of just going to church on Sunday. How should we behave? That's the next question. How should you and I behave? In other words, what should we be doing? What should we be doing? How? I mean, what's our values? What do we value? Because whenever you go to my house, one of the things that you will see I value is I like a house that's clean. My wife ingrained that in me. I like a house that's picked up. I mean, it may not be spotless everywhere. The other day I cleaned a spot and I thought, my goodness, what kind of people live in this house? And then I said, oh, it's me. But I cleaned it. I like a clean house. I like a dog that's obedient. I like lots of firewood in my barn. (laughs) Okay, inside joke. That's my values. That's my values. Some of y'all might like your car just spotless and immaculate every day. I don't I figure if I wash it once a year, I'm okay. How should we behave? What's our values as a church? And then fourthly, how are we going to get there? Because if we're going to get from where we are right now to where God is calling us to, we got to have a plan. We got to have a plan. My wife and I are getting real real close. I mean real close. To being completely debt free in our family, and it's a big, it's a big deal. But I got to tell you, it's been because we got a plan and we work that plan. We worked it. We said, so much money's going over here, so much money's going over here. You don't get any money. You don't get any money. But this over here, we're gonna, we're gonna be debt free. And so that's a big deal for us. It's gonna be a great, great celebration at our house. We're gonna do a debt free scream. Some of you all get that one too. These are some of the ways that we're gonna get there. So this morning, I got a couple of questions for you. So uh, let's see. I'll start here with these girls because they're always nice to me most of the time. So, okay, Chloe, here's the deal. I want you to look at the pew that you guys are sitting on and tell me how many more people you think could sit on this pew with you, okay? So here's, you got these three girls, and how many more? You think eight more people could, but not eight my size. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. So uh, okay, Robin and Mike. I mean, how many poor you you're there all by yourselves. I mean, have you done something to somebody or or No, I'm just kidding. How many more people, Mike and Robin, do you think it's sit on your pew? 5 or 4. Okay. Smaller than Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. So, Jesse, you really must have done something because you're How many more people think you could fit on your pew, Jesse? 6 or 7. So, okay, I'll speak to Okay, never mind. Uh, Scott, you've done something awful too. What have you done? I mean, how many more people you think could fit on your pew? Six people. Six people. Um, good grief, man. So, uh, Miss Cheryl, what have you you've run your husband off? So, I mean, so okay. How how many September? How many people do you think could sit on your pew with you? Just two well, mom would have to move her purse. So, you know, as I look around this room, the thing is we've got a lot of spaces. We have a lot of spaces that are left over. After everybody's here and we're all seated comfortably, we've got a lot of spaces left over. I believe that there was a purpose in the design of the sanctuary, and I believe God had something to do with it. He designed this sanctuary with all of these pews so that we could feel those pews. And so, You know, it's kind of like, okay, pastor, how do we get from where we are to where we need to go? Well, we need to figure out why we exist. We need to understand where we're going. We need to know how we should behave. And we need to know the strategic plan so that we can move forward. How do we fill these pews? So the writer of the book of Acts is a guy named Luke. He's a physician. He's a great guy, wrote this amazing book that we find right after the Gospels. Luke wrote about a process. He wrote about a process that whenever this process was implemented in the life and times of the early church, that first century church, now remember this. Luke wrote about this process, that in the life and times of the early church, whenever they implemented it, okay, it turned the world upside down. I mean, seriously, Luke wrote about this process, that whenever the early church implemented it, it turned the known world upside down. And we find that in Acts chapter 2, thus the Acts 2 journey. So if you'll open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2, I want to go all the way to verse number 42. So now remember, Acts chapter 2 is right at the beginning. Chronologically, it's right at the beginning of the birth of the church. I mean, just a few weeks prior to this, the the church was uh, birthed. The disciples gathered together in the upper room, Baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter comes down, he preaches his first sermon, and there you go. You have a brand new church. So, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they, this is all the people that are part of this new church, and they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were seeing their possess- excuse me, they were selling their possessions to all wait, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the Acts 2 formula. That's the Acts 2 process. There's five components, and this morning, I'm not going to take a lot of time to point these out because we're going to be learning about them in the next few weeks. Five components to the Acts 2 journey. The first component is to connect, to connect our lives together. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know enough about some of y'all, and I want to know. You know why? I have an inquiring mind. No. I want to know who you are. I want to know how you live. I want to know what's good, what's bad in your life. We, connect, we need to connect our lives together. The second thing that you see in the book of Acts is this. They worship together. Worship is prayer. It's praise. It's, it's all upward focus. We need to worship together. The next one is serve, and serve is exactly what it says, serve. I've been preaching this. We need to be disciples, and one of the things a disciple does is they learn to serve. Amen? The next one is to grow, to grow. Each and every one of us needs to follow a systematic process so that we can grow spiritually so that we can grow in God's Word, so that we can grow in the favor that God wants to place on our lives. We need to grow. And so there's going to be so many discipleship ways to experience discipleship in our congregation. So discipleship is so important. So grow. The last one is to go. And go means evangelism. Go means evangelism. And evangelism means it's your work, at your home, in your neighborhood, with your family. It means in our community. It means in our state. It means in our nation. It means all over the globe. Evangelism. It's taking this gospel message to the people who are yet to hear it. And so this morning, those five components are going to be something that one by one, we are going to incrementally begin to embrace as a body of believers. We're going to learn how to connect. We're going to learn how to worship. We're going to have to learn, learn to serve and to grow and to go. So this is our vision, our vision for the future of this church. We're going to get good at this process that they got good at in the Acts 2. This is how we're going to change the statistics in our community. That's how I want to change the statistics in our community. You see, some of those drug addicts right now that are waking up, not even probably now because it's still too early, but they were on a binge yesterday, last night, and they're waking up this morning in a fog. I want them in this church lifting their hands to Jesus, praising Him for His deliverance of their lives. You see, that's the way we're going to change the statistics. One person at a time. We're going to stop the progression. so many of the families in this community we live in is heading down because this is what I know from personal experience. We have one family that has experienced horrible things in their family, and the next generation in that family is bound to repeat it. And the next generation in that family is bound to repeat it. It's a generational thing that's passed down from generation to generation to generation. So many people today that their lives are literally in a mess can look back and say my great grandfather's life was in a mess as well, Amen. I want to stop that, and the only way to do that is to implement. I believe this vision God has given us, and so this morning, we've had some folks been working behind the scenes, and uh, I want to play that video now, Jared. So uh, or Leah, whoever it is, uh, we've been working behind the scenes trying to get uh, a video presentation together for you. It kind of helps you to understand the acts 2 journey and so if you'll take a few minutes and sit back pay close attention to this because this isn't like jeopardy you've got to really pay attention because there's a lot of things that are going to be said that are really important so let's let's see this video A little over a year ago, I and 12 other brave individuals began a journey, more specifically the Acts 2 journey. During this journey, we've traveled together, we've trained together, met together, planned together, but mostly we've dreamed together. We've dreamed of what our church is to become. In Matthew 28, God says, Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. One thing this team has agreed on, we cannot stay where we are. If we are to accomplish this great commission, we need God's help and his direction as we move forward. Love God, love people, reach the lost and make disciples. This is what we've been called to do. This is our mission. This is our dream. And with God this dream will become reality. I dream of a church that extends beyond the walls of this building and impacts the character of our communities and beyond. I dream of a church that is magnetic, attracting hundreds to attend each week. I dream of a place that is relevant to real life, teaching the perfect Word of God that grows listeners into Christ-centered maturity. I dream of a place where people will experience the love of a perfect father whose power gives strength to marriages, heals relationships, and unites families. I dream of a church that is full of kids that can't wait to learn and grow in God and His great love. I dream of a church that leads people into discovering and honing the talents and abilities that they have been created to thrive in. I dream of a place that is a training ground for students to realize and grow in their bright and planned out future in Jesus i dream of a church that gathers together as a family giving thanks to god for the wonderful things he is doing in their midst i dream of a place that fuses individuals together through the power of small groups creating spiritual accountability genuine fellowship and ultimately a family of brothers and sisters in christ i dream of a church that raises up an army of spirit empowered believers full-time ministers and missionaries to take the gospel of the kingdom to the world around them. I dream of a place where people are encouraged to love God with every passion of their hearts, with all energy and with every thought. I dream of a church of disciples who make disciples. I dream of a church that treasures the gift of Jesus Christ and the grace he's freely given. I dream of a church committed to serving with a spirit of excellence in all that they I dream of a place where the unchurched, the hurting, the lost, the forgotten, the broken and the failures are welcome and find their true identities in Christ. I dream of a church filled with worship that glorifies an unmatched creator. I dream of a church that meets not only the spiritual needs of people, but also works to fix and mend the practical needs of everyday life. I dream of a place that equips the next generation to carry on the legacy of Jesus Christ. I dream of a church and a people who are obedient to the God-given giant vision that will be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Our goal is to get to know people. We believe that true Christian community goes deeper than spending social time together. It dives below the surface into the heart and enables us to speak into each other's lives provides a strong foundation for living out God's purpose in a safe environment. It is the glue that holds the church together when times get tough. It reaches out to our community with compassion, giving them a place to call home, a family to belong to, offering a place of love and kindness that can only come through Christ. of the presence of Christ when the church sees the character and the power of Jesus connecting to individuals in their daily lives and corporately through the church family. Worship is more than music. Although that is a component, it includes prayer, fasting, and powerful preaching. We believe that worship will be fulfilled through a spirit-filled life that is completely submitted to God. We will individually and corporately bring offerings of thanksgiving giving our Savior heartfelt praise for who He is and what He has done for us. We believe there is a place for everyone to serve. We envision our church being a community of believers that come together, not just for themselves, but to make a difference in someone else's life a recent survey suggests that nearly 120 million adults are seeking to become more spiritually adept to accomplish that goal they need guidance a plan of action and some realistic form of accountability doing more of the same activity that got them where they are today is not the solution to getting them where they want to be tomorrow. We are a church committed to being disciples that make disciples. Preaching grace and truth, we will lift up the name of Jesus. Our goal is the accurate teaching of sound biblical doctrine, educating people on how to live in the righteousness of Jesus. We will raise up generations of Christians who will be empowered by the Holy Spirit and are prepared to go out and do God's work. Go is evangelism, reaching out to those who are next door and on the other side of the globe. The evangelism component prepares and equips people to share their faith, and accept their God-given mission for them in the local church. This is where we see the incredible importance of the church becoming more outwardly focused instead of inwardly focused. We believe our church will be defined by faith and love. Our success will be measured by the soul saved. We'll be steadfast in our purpose and united in our cause to see the world reached with truth and the love of God. Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you join us as we make this dream a reality? Amen. The mission of this church is to love God, love people, reach the lost, and make disciples. Matthew 29, 19 and 20 says, Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit, baptizing them in the in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you, and never forget that I am with you even to the end of the age. This morning there's some things that have changed over the last week, and I want to point them out to you. First of all, if you'll look in the foyer. If you've been here before, you notice some changes whenever you walked in this morning. Uh, we have a new Connect Center out in the foyer, and it's just exactly what it's named, a Connect Center. It's going to connect not only new people that are attending our church to the various things that we have going on, as this morning, I hope that it connects those of you that are first-time visitors to what we have going on. I hope you'll stop out there and pick up your gift bag the Connect Center is going to help you not only to uh, help us to not only connect new people, but it's going to be connecting you as well. Because out there, you're going to find all the various ways that our church is moving forward and things that you might want to be a part of. And very coming very shortly, we're going to have men's things and women's things and kids things that we will be advertising out there on uh, in that Connect Center uh, next. We have a brand new website, and so I encourage you to go to TrinityWNC.com and check out all the new things on our website. We're going to be adding to that website as time goes on, and various ministries are launched. We have a whole new look to all of our publications. We have a new logo, and we're not calling ourselves Trinity Assembly of God anymore. We're calling ourselves just Trinity Church. Uh, There is a stigma that's attached to many denominations, and so we want to bypass that. We are full-fledged an assembly of God church, amen? But we want to be relevant in the community that we belong in. This has nothing to do with tinkering into the Word of God, okay? We're just saying we're Trinity Church. That's who we are. So all of our publications are going to look a little bit different. You're going to see this new logo a lot of ways. We have a new communications process that we have here in this church. And those of you that are not uh, uh, email sophisticated or maybe don't have a cell phone or whatever, we're still going to be communicating in all the old ways, but we're also going to be moving forward with the realm communication. And that's going to help us to electronically communicate with so many of you. And so we're looking forward to that. In the weeks and months that follow where we are right now, we're going to be launching many new ministry components. We're going to have new classes, we're going to have new training modules, we're going to have new uh, small groups, we're going to have new accountability measures, and you say, Pastor, why all this new stuff? Because we have a complete new way of looking at things here at Trinity Church. And so this morning, we have taken a lot of time and we have prepared you a little brochure. So guys, I'm going to ask you if you'll just move through the congregation and pass these out. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. As soon as you get this, would you just take a moment and write your name on the front cover? Just write your name, get a pen out of the pew and just write your name on it. It's got, uh, it's a little booklet that's going to tell you about the Acts 2 journey and the five components that you just heard us speak about on the, on the video. And so write your name on the front of it, just real quickly. As they pass these out, getting them in your hands, write your name on the front. Anywhere on the front, yeah. It's yours. We're not going to take them back. You'll understand why you need to put your name on them here in just a minute. So you can write your name on it. On the inside, there is a sheet of paper that gives you an overview of the ministry teams that are being formed here at this church. Because we are going to do team ministry. So we're looking to all of the people in our congregation... To be a part of these teams we're going to have a missions team small group team a facilities team a fellowship team a frontline team a security team a care team a senior care team a prayer team a worship team a tech team an outreach team new generations team and this is what i want you to do is take a moment read over all of those descriptions under each one of these team headings and figure out what it is that you think you might like to do and there's a little card attached to it and if you'll just fill don't, you don't have to do this right now all i wanted you to do is just write your name on the front okay so all i want you to do is take this with you look them over take a time and fill out this card and somehow or another get it back to us now if you don't get it back to us you're probably going to get a phone call because we're looking to enlist every single person in this ministry to be a part of one of these teams so that we can serve, so that we can go, so that we can grow, so that we can worship, and the list goes on, okay? Now, let me finish this. Please take this written material home with you. There was literally hundreds of hours of work that went into producing this for you. And so the reason I had you write your name on it is this. We're fixing to go across the street and eat. And what is very likely to happen is that you'll forget about it, and you'll leave it laying there on the table. And if you do, we will know who you are. And we will hunt you down like a dog. What I'm going to suggest you do, because this is a very important piece of paper is I'm going to suggest you stop by your car and drop it off in your car perhaps before you go so that you will not have the opportunity to leave it laying there. Because I kid you not, this is important to the life and times of Trinity Assembly of God. Um, I want to thank some people because all of these things that you see this morning took a lot of time and a lot of effort from a lot of different people. Um, I first want to thank those that took the foyer and just totally transformed it. Matthew Ankeny and Ed Blanton built the Connect Center and all the frames out there, and that Connect Center is like a piece of furniture, folks. I mean, that is a beautiful addition to our ministry. Uh, Derek Hayhurst and Ed laid all the rock out there, and Clinton laid. I put the TV up for us and hung all the picture frames, and, and my daughter, Jalen, did all the... Uh, uh, the new branding and the logo put together this little booklet. Miss Michelle uh, Crawford worked diligently in our office to print like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that you're going to be seeing in the next few weeks. And so uh, she worked six days this week, didn't you, Miss Michelle? Monday through Saturday. Oh, man. We'll give you a day off next week, maybe. And so, um, so many people joined in. Uh, Cody put together our website. And our Acts Two team has done so many things behind beyond, be, behind the scenes. I'm thankful to all of these individuals. We even had a team this morning over in the fellowship hall putting together our meal for us, and we're thankful for that. And so this morning, I got a question for you. Will 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 you? Will you join us? Because I'm on board. I really believe that the 12 people that went with me on this journey, I believe they're on board and we're going to make this happen in Jesus name. I'm, I'm going to be real, real honest with you, Chloe. I think I could get 10 more kids on your pew and you guys would like it to be all close and yeah, yeah. I think you'd like it. I, I think, I think we can fill the pews in this sanctuary with the help of the Holy Spirit and This morning, I'm asking you, will you help us? Will will you take this journey with us? Will you take a hold of this vision and see what it is that God can do with a group of individuals that rise to the challenge and say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do church like it was designed to be done. God has a dream for this church, and I want to see that dream come to pass. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, this morning, we thank you. We thank You, we thank You for not leaving us alone, not letting us just have status quo church. Because, Father, we could have gone on for another decade or two, just like we've been going, and these pews could just be empty, empty, empty. But, Father, this morning, I believe that You have struck a chord in all of our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit and this vision that You've laid upon us, Lord. I believe that we've got a group of people that are ready to do it and to do it right for your kingdom. So, Father, this morning I pray this prayer. I pray, Lord, that each and every person in this room, regardless of age, they will join this campaign and they will see the power of your Holy Spirit working through their lives to make a difference in our community. So, Father, this morning, help us to love you more, to love people to reach the lost and make disciples. And we pray over our food that we're about to partake. Lord, I pray it blesses our lives, it strengthens us, and Lord, may our fellowship be rich as we talk about the thing that, Lord, is on your heart and that is seeing this dream come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks.